0: Welcome to the New Normal Podcast that includes you in our conversations about the scriptures and how we think about God.
1: We are seekers of truth, askers of lots of questions, and wannabe scriptorians.
2: We strive to demonstrate the joy of living the gospel of Jesus Christ through the study of the scriptures.
0: So let's get started.
2: Welcome back uh, to the New Normal podcast. We're going to gonna try some things a little bit different today. We're going we're gonna to talk a general, I guess it's not really super new, we, we, we try to talk some general topics and concepts across multiple chapters. I want to begin um, this conversation with the following quote, when President Nelson was introduced as the newest president of the church. Back in in 2018, it was only in 2018. Do you realize that? Yeah, <laughs> seems like he's it's been a prophet for a decade. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I still Vancouver I still pinch myself that it was like two and a half years ago that that happened. He's a prophet. So much...
0: for, he's a prophet for the COVID era. I mean, yeah. because because <laughs> we've only had this COVID thing for what three months? Yeah, and it feels like we've been
2: battling it. for Well, years. I mean, then you think about all of the revolutionary <laughs> changes that have happened. Like yep. it should have happened over a ten year period. And he's it's just only been two and a half. Years
1: well, and yet. we know that they've been thinking about them over a ten-year period Oh yeah we do know that you
2: know he says that and i'm like
0: i'm like maybe Um, a couple of those things but i I bet you sometimes he's like we just need to make a change
2: i know when i when i was bishop in gilbert i got surveys all the time about what do you think if we did this and what do you think if we tried that Um, and so stuff that's comes like oh that's why that survey (laughs) (laughs) i get that so president nelson back to we digress a little bit when he was introduced as president of the church, he made this statement. I just, and this is going to be, this is going to be the, um, the topic. We're going to try to, to bring in some chapters here. He said, uh, now to each member of the church, I say, keep on the covenant path. Your commitment to follow the Savior by making covenants with him and then keeping those covenants will open the door to every spiritual blessing and privilege available to men, women, and children everywhere. As a new presidency, we want to begin with the end in mind. For this reason, we're speaking to you from a temple. The end for which each of us strives is to be endowed with power in the house of the Lord, sealed as families, faithful to covenants made in in a temple that qualify us for the greatest gift of God, that of eternal life. The ordinances of the temple and the covenants you make there are key to strengthening your life your marriage and family, and your ability to resist the attacks of the adversary. And then he continues to talk about fortifying those commandments to stay on the covenant path. Right. And since then, um, we've seen an uptick in the use of that phrase, covenant path, in right. general conference. Right. And we've called it other things. We can call it the doctrine of Christ. We can call it the first principles and ordinances of the gospel. But the covenant path gives us an image or a vision of something that we can actively do every day.
0: What, what I find interesting is he calls it the covenant path. He doesn't call it the ordinance path. And he and he focuses on temples. Um, I used to have a, a member of stake presidency uh, in a previous stake that in temple recommend interviews. We'd get done with the recommend questions and then he'd stop and he'd quiz you.
2: <laughs> and which, he goes, which I'm not sure if that's in the handbook. Oh,
0: as long I, I know, probably not. I mean, as long as you're done with the interview, right? So he would he'd finish it, and he'd go, "What are the five covenants you make in the endowment?" And then you're like, "Oh, uh, I know this one." But but when we think about the temple ordinances, I think we can we can we lose the covenant sometimes if we're not being intentional. Um, and I don't know if this is where you're going, so correct me if I go in the wrong direction. Um, I'm kind of curious like, why would
2: why would he focus on covenant versus So what are you? Well, keep going with the so
0: so the thought was is we you know when it says at the end of the temple recommend are you worthy to enter the temple and participate uh,
2: in temple ordinances? Well, and so yeah, and and, pre- yeah. Pres-
0: and prepare and and are we participating in the rituals? But at the same time, if you were to strip away the ritual, the actual ordinances, you guys can't see, but I'm using my hands a lot. If you strip away the ritual, um, you got to be looking for the actual promises to be made. Um, And and we don't want to get real specific with these. But if you're thinking of the beginning of uh, of the endowment, which is the initiatories, start looking for where are you actually making a promise? There's lots of promises made to you, but where are you making? So just kind of be paying attention. And in the endowment, there are several places where you make a promise. One of them is one of one of like I would say the capstone or the keystone of the endowment is you promise to live the law of consecration. There's a buildup in all the covenants. There's it kind of starts off low. Yeah, and and, and we don't it need builds a, all the way up. We don't up. need to be
2: afraid talking about those covenants because the temple actually does not prohibit us from no, discussing And they're all things they're all there,
0: scripturally based, different. right? It goes it goes from one law from the law of the Lord, which is the law of obedience, right? The law of sacrifice, which is interesting that sacrifice is down here, right? And it moves on up, and you get up to the law of consecration, um, and you're making these promises that you're willing to enter into a higher agreement, not higher agreement. When we say covenants are a two-way promise, I think we do it an injustice. God, God says, this is this is what I am offering you. If you promise to do it, here are all the promised blessings. It's not like you negotiate with God, right?
1: He he lays it out, and you agree.
0: So when President Nelson's like, stay on the covenant path, there's lots of nuances to this. Because it's not like you're like, okay, I conquered this law, or I've conquered this promise, so now I, I get to make this promise. They all kind of fit.
1: Well, I think it's good to lay out what those promises are, because that's the action that we take to keep the covenant Are all those little things, and that's what we see in these chapters. Is they they felt they had a greater understanding of who God was and His mercy to them, Mm -hmm. and then they were willing to act right on it. If we don't know what those promises are, we can't act within that covenant.
2: And I think, and I think that if we if we illustrate the covenant path as cyclical Uh and not linear, right, then then it's then it's a much better definition for that. So, so you start with again. So, well, let me the, demonstrate. the different titles. Can I demonstrate real quick? You tell Please, me if this go. is what you mean. Um,
0: Lamoni and Lamoni. Let's do Lamoni's father, not baptized, right? Not baptized. He has not entered into that first covenant, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, in chapter twenty-two, verse fifteen, he says, "Behold, I will give up." All that I possess, that I will forsake my kingdom, that I that I may receive this great joy. Does that not sound like he is willing to enter into yeah. the law of consecration?
1: And those are some actions. That so, so
0: to... is that kind of what you mean by cyclical versus linear? Or you tell me if that's no. Off base.
2: I I think you're I think you're on there. When I say cyclical, when we use other other terms for the covenant path versus you know. So first principles ordinance of the gospel, our first faith, right? Mm-hmm. Lord Jesus Christ, second repentance. Third is an, is an ordinance and a right. covenant. Right. So we, we say baptism so that we can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Doctrine of Christ has a fifth element to that, which is called endure to the end. Right. And endure to the end means we cycle back around to faith and again. we're constantly okay, yes. doing those things. We cycle things, right? back to faith because right. then as we have faith, we, we know that we have to repent again because repentance isn't a one-time deal. Right. Repentance is a constant deal. The ordinance... Or the covenant. Yeah, right. We're we're so you and I have talked about this in the past that maybe that we the phraseology of partaking of the sacrament to renew covenants mm-hmm. kind of does it a little bit of a disservice because we're not sure we're renewing covenants, but we're, re, we're actually what we're doing we're is we're covenanting a covenant. again. Right. We're making a right. new covenant. We're right. covenanting again. That okay. So based on my faith and repentance from this week, I'm going to covenant again. That that, I will do these three things to keep the commandments and and always remember and and take his name upon us. So that, and then this is Elder Bednar's teaching, when we we strive to keep the covenants, the promise is that we will always have his spirit to be with us. Mm -hmm. And when we endure, that means new conditions, new circumstances in life force us to decide again to have faith. Right, Mm -hmm. enduring. When we don't have faith Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. obedience, we got to repent again, and we make that. So it's cyclical in that in that that fact that when we see enduring to the end, it's not just all right. I got baptized, now I got to wait fifty years to die, and and, to get into the slasher kingdom. And so I guess with that
0: that understanding, because that that absolutely is the case. And I guess my point isn't so much the cyclical. Kind of pattern. It's more of the nonlinearness of the pattern. Mm. Ordin- we don't have to do one to the other or, to the other to the other. You two. do for ordinances. Ordinances are linear. You, you can't you can't, can't go you and get can't ordained, ordained before you, get, a you get baptized. You've been baptized, right? baptized so so there's all of that. But I think the laws that we promise to keep can happen. They can happen at any point. Here you have an unbaptized man willing to sacrifice and give up everything. Well, that those are temple covenants. And I think, now it doesn't quite. I mean, I don't want to yeah. get weird here, but but you can see these workings happening kind of out of order.
2: Well, and and when we when we covenant to keep His commandments. Consecration, sacrifice—those are it's in there. Those are in there. They're, they're in there. So to say that the temple somehow—that's that's when we are to consecrate. That's, that's when I mean, you finally have to give up all. <laughs> 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 the temple—the that temple just means that's when you finally commit. Well, but here's so here's the other point. One of the covenants there is the law of chastity. You're not getting in the temple if you haven't already <laughs> covenanted and you are already obeying the law of chastity. Right. So it's not like, oh, crap, I got to stop sleeping around now. I mean, it's, that's not what that means. Right. What it's saying is we're now covenanting to, to higher and holier is the other thing that, that, that President Nelson says. Right. Higher and holier because the next ordinance on the covenant path, the next ordinance needed is celestial marriage. And if you're not covenanting to sacrifice, to consecrate, to live the law of chastity and, and to to live the law of the gospel, man, marriage is not going to be very fun. And nor will it be lasting. And I feel
1: like sometimes when we've been prepared through baptism and then received our own endowment and then been sealed, we've had the opportunity to be sealed to our spouse, it's not like we already have to be on that path to keep those covenants even after. Just right. going to the temple doesn't seal that.
0: Better right. does finish it.
1: The action of going to the temple right. doesn't. It's the action that led up to it. It's the action that you... And it's, little, and it's the actions afterwards, yeah. Yes. And it's
0: the actions that qualify the Holy Spirit of promise to stamp those and to seal those, right? Which
1: is why I love this discussion that we're having because... <clears throat> How often we think baptism is just going to solidify that for us. And mm-hmm. many of us have been through lessons, and they're ready, and they're willing to commit, and then they're baptized, and, and then things get in the way. And enduring doesn't look the same as it did before. And you have to recommit
0: each So, day. this is a really good framework. Yeah, now, so what we does we, it have yeah. to
2: do? We just spent 11 minutes. <laughs> we just spent 11 minutes. So, um, what does it have to do with the story of...
0: of Ammon and Aaron and Lamoni. And so Lamoni's we want to we want to approach
2: this. and This is part of the conversation because we read this. We read the Anti-Nephi-Lehi story as this is a great missionary story, right. and it's always focused around missionary work. Right. And it's always about conversion, which is great. Um, but I think we miss that again. One of the stated purposes of the Book of Mormon is to remind us of the covenants that the Lord has made. Right. And that we will not be for that we are not cast off forever. Right. The stated purpose of the Book of Mormon is this idea of covenant, not not just wishy washy promises, but God has has extended um, covenants to us that we are not cast off. The Lamanite as a people, this is a 500-year history to this point. They have largely been cast off right. because. They've not kept their covenants, or at least they have not so remembered is, the Lord. This is their chance to fulfill that part of this the purpose. is This is the Lord showing us a microcosm of what he's going to do in the last days for all of covenant Israel. You're using
0: a big word. Proud of you. That was good.
2: You didn't think I knew that word? Did yeah. You? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's, so let's just open it up real quick. Okay, so quickly context from, then. Well, just from, from like
0: 22 to 29... Where do you see covenants playing a part? Well, got, you
2: already mentioned it. Verse 15 so, in chapter 22. Yep,
0: you've got a, you've got a whole conversion of the Nephi, the Lamanites who they've not really had an opportunity or not like this up to this point where you have sub-kings and the king converting to the Lord, converting large groups of their own people, yeah. suffering because of those choices, being leaving their land that they would consider their homeland and becoming a separate people. Among the Nephites, so that's kind of the context. So, so where do a, we see it?
2: I get a sense from from Alma twenty-two fifteen. So we know Aaron has already taught Lamoni's father, right? And the question that he asked, "What shall I do that I may have this eternal life of which Thou hast spoken?" Right. Now, I also haven't. I also imagine that the interaction with Ammon and his son. I, I know that's kind of the impetus for sure. um, another big word that I know. Yeah, I'm so um, proud of you. <laughs> it's also the kind of the, the genesis of his wanting to have these conversations. We don't know if, if Lamoni afterwards took dad aside and said, you need to listen to him. I, I know about this thing <clears throat> called eternal life. Right. Like he's already had an awakening experience. He's already come out and said, blessed be this Jesus that's re- re- redeemed my soul from hell. And his whole household and his servants and his people are starting to have this experience. And now we have, we have his dad saying, what can I do? What shall I do that I have this eternal life? That I may receive this great joy.
1: I think and that is the
2: great joy, is this
0: eternal life. Right. So
1: in 17, it shows they're breaking tradition by bowing down before the Lord. They're Which recognizing is God. Right? Yeah. And that is
2: huge, humbling,
1: very important step of making the covenant. Yeah,
2: it's all about the incorrectness of the traditions.
0: Okay, right? so he is willing to sacrifice or consecrate even something as cultural as... Well, he's talking about all that is, I possess.
2: Right, But we, all, we also see consecration that later on, the anti-Nephi-Lehi's they, they can't they give up their name right they're no longer called Lamanites which was a source of great pride to them because they they're descendants of Laman. and and so again they're they're sacrificing this is 233 um, that this people might be convinced concer- concerning the wicked traditions of their fathers that they might um, be convinced that they were all brethren and that they ought not to murder and plant so they they're also <laughs> consecrating or sacrificing cultural behavior acceptable cultural behavior mm-hmm.
0: it's it's almost as if their sacrifice or their consecration is a sign or a token that they have been converted
1: yeah i think in 27 when they send out a proclamation of how you're going to treat and how religious freedom right how they're now they're required. You don't have to believe this, but you do need to treat these. Is, is that a sinners. is that a
0: sign of our conversion level? Is how much we're willing to sacrifice these things, like
1: sacrifice and how we treat others.
0: Yeah, because you you go to t- chapter twenty four and you've got kind of three verses in a row: fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. <clears throat> they're they're in the middle of this awakening and this conversion. This is actually Lamoni's father's son, so it's Lamoni's brother. Yeah. who, who he renamed Anti-Nephi Anti-Nephi-Lehi. And he uh, says, so how <laughs> merciful is our God? This is after their their moment of
2: coming to a, 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 a knowledge of themselves. Well, can I can I point and out verse gonna... 13? Yeah, go ahead. Um, verse 13 has very baptism allusions to it. What right? chapter are you in?
1: Chapter 24. 24.
2: Got it. Um, Let us retain our swords and not be stained with the blood of our brethren. Um uh, that they be no more washed bright through the blood of the Son of our great God. Right. Um, he's talking about this cleansing thing. He's talking about their weapons of rebellion, but there's some <clears throat> allusions to an ordinance that's taking place here. Uh, almost like this bearing of the weapons of war is an ordinance. Yeah. As a sign of the covenant that they are going to I enter mean, into. I mean, there's a lot of, of. I mean, you
0: can take this... Uh, Maybe we can infer some things. The weapons of the Lamanites was probably their very favorite sin. It was their very favorite thing to
2: do. Murder and plunder
0: and steal. Yeah, and and exert control over the Nephites. There was constant battles, right? So once they had it washed clean, their concern in verse 13 is, if we should stain our swords again, they can no more be washed bright, which is an interesting thing to think. Maybe that's the ignorance because they think, oh, if I sin again, I'm never gonna get, you know, forgiveness. forgiveness.
2: And um, so there's unless unless we're playing with this idea of greater knowledge. Is sure. Greater
0: right.
2: I mean, there's a Consic risk. Wins. There's a risk in both ways. We don't, we don't
0: want to. I mean, people feel super anxious because they feel like they've messed up again, mm-hmm. and we're always telling them the atonement is for you. Uh, so, but so they, there's kind of both but, sides. But, but they, right? but they, rec-
2: they recognize it'll be harder the second,
1: right. right? And they felt the Lord's mercy. Yeah, so but want to go back. Their
0: their point is to avoid that. Verse fifteen: Let us hide them away, that they may be kept bright as a testimony to our God. They want to show up in the judgment with a clean sword, right? Um, verse sixteen: We will hide away our swords, yea. Even we will bury them deep in the earth, that they may be kept bright as a testimony. Again, he says it again. Even if our brethren destroy us, behold, we shall go to our God and shall be saved. Because we have taken these things that have been our favorite iniquity. We've been cleansed because we've been converted. We've experienced the Spirit. We've had this moment of
2: consecration and sanctification. Okay, now we're going to take it. We're going to bury it deep in the earth. And why deep? Elder Renlin Half-hearted commitment to our covenants will not guarantee us anything. We may be tempted to equivocate, throw away our old ways, or bury our weapons of rebellion with Mm -hmm. the handle sticking out. With the handle sticking out, yes. But an ambivalent commitment to our covenants will not open the door to the sanctifying power of Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. There is no partial consecration.
1: I love the connection between how they're going to treat others and their own personal decision. Right. One of the reasons, if they were to draw a sword on their brothers, they know that that murder and our connection to covenant when we say, we'll bear one another's burdens. Mm -hmm. We'll mourn with those that mourn. There's such a connection there to covenant and the covenant that we make also.
0: So it's an internal and an external. How I'm
1: going to treat others and how I'm going to decide for myself.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Especially in today's day and age when we have so much hate. Crap. Hate. Mm, Let's use that word. (laughs) Hate. There's just so much... (laughs) So much going on, where there is met. There's so much cause for people to hate each other. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't it interesting how there you've drawn that connection between how we treat each other and then also how we approach our own repentance? Mm-hmm. Boy, if there's is that a, is that a good measuring stick? As much as we hate other people is probably an indication of how well we're doing in our own repentance. Can we say that? I think that's a fair
2: statement. Yeah. Let's. So then let's let's look at then. Their commitment to those covenants. So if they've they've made this covenant, we're going to bury our weapons of war deep. Right. When we covenant, there are weapons of rebellion. Elder Bednar has has counseled us that we need to consider the the our weapons of rebellion and which ones have we not buried yet. Which yeah. What do we need to do right. to do so? I had uh, a bishop when I was going to college. He would call those our favorite sins. Mm-hmm. We have our favorite sins that we're just not willing to give up. Yep. And so with consecration, there's, a, there's, a, there's another word that is, that is uh, similar in its root, and that's sacrifice. Right? Um, where do we see the role of sacrifice in keeping covenants? Because being a covenant people re- does mean that we're going to have to sacrifice some things. Yep. Right? Just think about some of the worldly traditions that have to be sacrificed. Because being a Mormon, and I'm, and I'm using that phrase intentionally, Culturally, right? um, be, going from zero to Mormon is hard. When we talk about somebody who, is, who has felt the Spirit and has decided to make a covenant with God to become a member of his church, there are cultural and, again, legally acceptable things, practices, that have to be sacrificed in order to keep a covenant.
0: So chapter 24, verse 19, it says, and thus we see, that's always an important phrase, especially probably in this part, right? And thus we see that they buried their weapons of peace. Interesting, they throw it that way. It's not weapons of rebellion anymore. Now it's their weapons of peace. Or that they buried their weapons of war for peace, right? And then the thus we see frames the next part of the story. The Lamanites come out, super angry that their previous king has abandoned them for some Nephite religion, Right. And they come even out... into changing their names. Changing their names. They don't even identify with like You don't with even want to be with us right? anymore. Right? So they come out with their weapons of war, their preparations for war. In verse 21, the, the anti-Nephi-Lehi's come out to meet them, prostrate themselves before them on the earth, and begin to call on the Lord because their weapons are buried so deep that they're not gonna even, they're not even going to pull them out if it means to defend themselves against a great army.
1: Nor do they feel the need to. Right, I get that impression from this verse that they don't want to. Well, they they're already not not kept... They they feel they, they don't even flee come from and, it. Right, they're going to go face it.
2: Well, verse sixteen, there he said that if they destroy us, we go to our God and shall be saved. But safe. the idea mm-hmm. of being of prostrating yourself. Yeah, just take it. I'm going to lay down. I'm going to accept whatever happens, uh, and if that means giving up my life, I'm going to I'm prostrate myself to the earth, calling the name of the Lord, and a thousand. But here's what they know: we know that 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 they have gone, right? They, they have gone to dwell with their God. They die. And, they're and they they would lie down and
0: perish, is verse 23, and praised God even in the very act of perishing under the sword.
1: Yeah, so how do we face our sacrifices? So today, do we praise God? Are we willing? Can...
2: Do we praise God or like, oh, I can't believe we've got to give up coffee. There's going to be a pain in the backside. i got to give up I, I coffee i got to go or... help
1: someone. I've got to go yeah. minister. Yeah, on, I want
0: to go do this thing, but I got a phone call saying that a family is in need, right?
2: Am I willing to praise God while I'm sacrificing? The story is told of a bishop who got a phone call from a, an elderly sister in his ward asking for some help. And the first question the bishop, a wise bishop, would ask is, um, have you called your, your home teachers? This is... Rack in the day. And she said, I did, but they were watching a football game. <laughs>
1: Ouch!
2: <laughs> well, and
1: there are all these stories that we've heard, but really what we want is for each of us to consider how are we facing those favorite sins? How are we facing those opportunities to sacrifice? Because Consecrated, the,
2: be- yeah. Because but it's the not just. the rest
1: of the story is the blessing that comes. Yeah. It's the, now the faith-building experience for those that were attacking those faithful believers that were praising God as they were dying. Yeah,
0: there's more converted. There's a whole group
1: of them that are converted because of that. And so in my own life, what sacrifices am I willing to make? Do I even understand and am I open to the blessings that come from making those sacrifices? It's not my favorite sin anymore in that case.
0: Yeah,
1: It's easy to get rid of. I
0: think we could probably sit and think about the things that we should probably be doing better in our consecration and our sacrifice. But I think it's even more interesting to go, how can I what how can I do that praising God while I'm doing it? Yeah. Cause it's it it's almost like view. it's it's the step steps, right? It's the I'm not gonna do anything, that's the lower step. I'm gonna do it because it's out of duty. How do we get to the point where our motivation is love and praising God as we are sacrificing? Doesn't doesn't
2: the savior say in in one of his parables that you might as well just keep the gift? Yep. If you're if you're gonna do it that way you might you might as well just keep it because it, it's not doing you any good to, to deliver the gift right um, okay so we're, we've we've gone really long but I want to I want to go one more point chapter 26 um, 26 27 28 these are kind of the these are the the moral of the story kind of kind of things but 26 specifically is ammon in a moment of reflection, even even looking back at the loss of so many of his brethren, now we know the story that because of the sacrifice of these thousand and five, that there are more Lamanites who are convinced of their wickedness, and right. they, they buried their weapons of war, and 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 I think that's and people it. continuously who who have these experiences join up with the people of Ammon. It's it's kind of, of it's kind of interesting um, how. Uh,
0: you make covenants, you end up going back to Jershon with these people.
2: Well, and, and it just says, I think this is, this is 24, verse 26. It came to pass the people of God were joined that day by more than the, than the number who'd been slain. And those who were slain were righteous people. I have no reason to doubt that they were saved. Um, thus we see, in verse 27, another thus we see, the Lord worketh in many ways right. to the salvation of his people. Right. I don't think that's in the missionary guidebook. Let people die. Preach my gospel. <laughs> I don't think that's one of the, the acceptable ways to, to convince more people, but we do see that the Lord works in many ways. So in, in chapter 26, when Ammon, having seen all of the different ways that the Lord can work among the people, whether it's sending angels, whether it's sending missionaries, or using the sword, he, he makes this statement, starting in verse 4, "...behold, thousands of them do rejoice and have been brought to the fold of God." And then he goes, he goes analogy. Behold, the field was ripe and blessed are ye, my brothers who went on this mission and blessed are ye, all of us who make these covenants. Mm -hmm. For ye did thrust in the sickle and did reap with your might. Yea, all the day long did ye labor and behold the number of your sheaves and they are gathered into garners that they are not wasted. Yea, they shall not be beaten down by the storm at the last day. Yea, neither shall they be harrowed up by the whirlwinds, but when the storm comes, they shall be gathered together in their place, that the storm cannot penetrate them. Yea, neither shall they be driven with fierce winds, whithersoever the enemy listeth to carry them. But behold, they are in the hands of the Lord of the harvest, and they are his, and he will raise them up at the last day. What, What a beautiful way to express the blessings of covenant keepers who are willing to sacrifice to keep their covenant, their, their, their consecrated covenant efforts to be gathered by the Lord of the harvest to be raised up in the last day.
0: Amen. Amen. This podcast expresses independent views of hosts and guests which are our own and are not intended to reflect the official views or teachings of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.